Mike. Josh, how are you? I'm good. Before we get started with the intro for this episode, I have a question for you. Oh. Uh, I want to buy a cast iron skillet, like one of the big ones that goes over two burners to make pancakes and Lodge. stuff. Lodge. Yeah. It's called, ha- it's called Lodge Cast Iron. They're do the you best have ones. one? I don't have one. Okay, so if I get one, what, how do, what do I do to season it? Well, start cooking in it. I mean, you can season it with olive oil to start, but I always think that cooking in it is the best way to season it, obviously, right away. Um, but these lodge ones, they come pre-seasoned. See, I read too much on the internet, and it's like you have to use different oils and things nah, and 400 you're over, degrees. You're overthinking it. No, just just, just cooking it. The internet's a bad place. It is. You, go down, like, a, you go down like a tornado of... Oh, I have an itch on my tush. Like, oh, I got to go <laughs> Google down. Oh, I must be dying. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, the Lodge ones are good. Get them on Amazon. They're pretty cheap. Um, but besides talking about uh, my butt itch, um, who Your is our guest iron today? butt itch. <laughs> Mandy Summers is our guest today. Um, she was the VP of Current at 20th Century Fox. Don't worry. I had no idea what that meant either until we did this interview. Um, it's different than being uh, in the development department at the studio. So she's now a producer for Nanachka Khan, um, Fierce Baby Productions, and she's produced um, a number of pilots and and been involved with a ton of different shows, both at um, 20th Century Fox and beyond. Um, So I think that uh, you'll enjoy the episode, but like, what are we, what are we going to eat for our second meal today? Well... We all talked about our disdain for Moe's Cafe on 20th Century Fox Lot, and we were going to get patty melts from there, but that just does not sound very good. So we went to a place that she actually just went to called Spoon by H. It was on David Chang's uh, favorite restaurants list this year. We got something called Mandu Gook, which is uh, like broth with pork belly filled dumplings. And I also just got some kimchi fried rice, and it smells like insanely good. So I'm excited to try this new one. And this interview is really awesome from all standpoints, from an actor, from a producer. I learned a ton on this interview, and we hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome to Second Meal, a podcast where we discuss life, the industry, food, and what it means to live and work in Los Angeles. We're your hosts, Michael Grant Terry and Josh Levy. Sit back and enjoy a second meal. Have you have you heard any of ours by any chance? I have not. Good. So I now should. you get to binge them. I know. Now I have to binge them. So you're number two. I'm real bad with podcasts. Well, what are, you, are you supposed to be good with podcasts? Well, no, there's a lot of people that actively do it, like actively go on every day. You know what I mean? Like all the time. You have to actively go into it and listen to it. And for some reason, I just like turn on NPR in the morning. Oh, I'm in NPR. It's, you it's know what I mean? embarrassing. I know because it, it's, it's way easier to just do NPR than it yeah. is to actually. Yeah. But I am, Mandy, thanks for coming on. First of all, Hi. I am really into, have you guys listened to Dr. Death? I think I'm a little bit yes. late on this You're one. You're like Mm-mm. eight months. I know I'm, I'm a little late and it's been, it's Dr. Death. Oh my God. It is, I, I can't, I have only two episodes in, so I don't know a ton. Okay. So there was a case in Texas where a doctor, a, what is he? Uh, neurosurgeon. A neurosurgeon. Yeah. Was, I killed a patient, badly injured a couple patient, and this is the quest for, um, like, what's going to happen, what is the medical system going to do to him? Okay. And, like, he keeps on getting transferred to hospitals. Yeah, because so- nothing's happening to him because 
of all the liability and the different... It's easier for them to just transfer a doctor if they make a mistake than it is for them to fire the doctor. Really? So, they so could, this guy's just going from hospital to hospital doing the same thing. Right, and, and like you don't know if he's doing it intentionally. You don't know if he's paralyzing people on purpose. I mean, I don't yet. But it was bought by... It's going to be a series. It's going to be a series. And so yeah. it's um, Wondery. So Hernan Lopez. Yeah. Okay. Now, did you know him? No. So that's where Jeffrey Glazer... Okay. Oh, the, when he took when he the did job the podcast. After, okay, so Jeffrey he Glazer also did um, uh, the other one about the crazy guy that marries the women. What, what it was just on Bravo. Oh yeah, with uh, Dear John. Dear John. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Exactly. Dear John. Right? Dirty John. 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 Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you watch it? Yes, I watched the entire season. I haven't Is seen it. it I haven't actually. seen it yet. It's super. It's super easy, cheesy viewing. But but like Eric Banya is great. And Connie Britton's great. I mean, like, I don't, it, and it's creepy the fact that it's so, that it's true, that it happened. And it's just, it's sick. Okay. So, wait. So, back to, so Jeffrey Glazer um, used to be the head of current programming at 20th Century Fox mm-hmm. in the studio. Mm-hmm. And Mandy used to, used to work for Jeffrey. Yeah. yeah for 10 years. Um, so, be- best 10 years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we get into all of that, like I was telling Mike like about what you used to do and he was like, well, she was a development executive there, right? I said, no, 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 now she is. But can you tell us what like the difference is? Between current, yeah, between what, being what a, current is a current executive? executive at a studio. So a current executive is somebody that takes over the show once the pilot has been ordered to series. Okay. So Bones. Yeah. The pilot was in development for however long. And then once Fox ordered it to series, it came over into the current uh, department. And each, there were five or six of us in the department. So each person was assigned anywhere from three to seven shows. I think at one point I had seven shows, comedy and drama. So you would, you know, go back and forth. And you would stay on that show for presumably the life of the series. So I was on Bones from season two when Ann Johnson left, and I took over until the end of the run. Yeah, and you guys work closely not only with the show, but also with the network. Yes. And how's that relationship between with the show and the network and the producers? Right. So we're sort of the – we are the liaison between – the studio and the network and the producers. So it's an interesting position to be in because you are in it for the, I mean, you are the producer's go-to person for whatever they need day to day, you know, episode to episode. We gave notes on everything from the outline of the episode to the final cut. And, um, and if there were any issues, I mean, you would handle those issues and you direct it to whichever department it was. And you just, you were there for the life of the show. Um, but you had to sort of be the buffer between the producers and the network, which was right. really interesting. So if there were any issues, you had to, you know, sort of diffuse any any problematic situation that happened. Or if there was an episode that was problematic or that the network didn't like, you would have to be that middleman to, you know, address those concerns. And so. you're and that's through the studio, through that's 20th through the, Century. Through the 20th Century Fox. And how does that exactly. ever like does that 
who has the final say? Like in situations like this, well, the network does. The network does, which, the is, the, which is the, the interesting. The network's the client, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. And so, the network is Fox, just so people right, know that. Right. Yeah. So Bones, yeah, Bones yeah. specifically was on Fox, but um, not 20th Century Fox. Which it, is this is where it gets so confusing. It's so confusing. I remember as an actor, I didn't really for a long time. I didn't understand the difference between the studio and the network. Right. Right. Absolutely. And most people don't. Right. So the studio, the studio was its own thing. 20th Century Fox was its own thing. Um, before Fox became a network. So the business model of 20th Century Fox is that they could produce shows for every broadcast network. Right. And as the years went on, it became more vertically integrated where they wanted to supply more and more shows to Fox because it was the sister company. But we could produce shows for any network. You know, I covered Modern Family on ABC. Right. I covered How I Met Your Mother on CBS. Um, you know, all Sean Ryan shows on CBS, The Unit and Chicago Code. And it's a really interesting... Learning ground. And when I first started, I remember wanting to be in comedy development like 100%. I was like, I want, I started out as Dana Walden and Gary Newman's assistant. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I wanted to be in development. I wanted to like, that was the shiny thing. It was the cool thing. And then when I was promoted to current, because you were sort of just promoted to wherever there was space, right. I was like, all right, I'll try it, whatever. It was the best training ground to be a producer, to be an executive. It, it was the best thing ever because I was doing both comedy and drama, whereas when you're in development yeah. at a studio or network, you only do one or the other. And those are the only people you know, the comedy directors and writers and, act, and, and you know, or the drama. And it was a really, it was just a great experience. There must and, be something satisfying too to like... Like as an actor, be get on a show and stick with that show yes, for the duration of its absolutely. run. Whereas in developing, you're helping develop shows and then they kind of go away That's right. and do their own That's thing. That's right. And I think a lot of times, and what's helped me now producing and developing shows is that I feel like I have um, a better eye for things that will go longer right. in, in series because there were many things that were ha that were handed to us in development that we got that we were just like, what is episode two or three or four? I mean, it was, you couldn't see it. And a lot of the showrunners, you know, Hart is obviously, Hart Hansen is one yeah. of those people that knows the direction of the series or or the How I Met Your Mother guys, Carter, and, Carter Bays and Craig Thomas, they had the finale of the series in their heads when they started that show 10 years, you know, 10 years before they, 10 years when they started. Like so is that like a main thing that you look for? Like when you're, when you are thinking about a show having a duration, it's, it's knowing where that show is going to go. Yes. And not specifically, right. you know, not specifics, but I think that, that <clears throat> it's important to have a showrunner and somebody that, that a creator that can see how it progresses and how the characters progress and maybe three or four, you know, milestones in, you know, in the series that they have in their head, because otherwise it's like anybody, not anybody, it's a hard thing to do, but you know, it's, it's easier to have one good episode of something and then it's kind of gone. So when you were at the studio, when would that handoff happen from the pilots? Um, because every year, um, when, when Mandy was at 20th, they would probably make what, uh, 15 to 20 drama yeah. pilots. Yeah. We, well it, we would make probably it would probably be 10 or 11 of each. Okay. Yeah. We would 11. have like 22 pilots a year. Total. Yeah. And so at what point would they, would they start bringing the current department in to have these conversations? I think later than they should have was the answer because I, I feel like we would jump on, um, an episode one, like when it, when it was ordered to series and 
development would stay on for about two or three episodes, sometimes six, depending if, if it needed it. But then they would completely go away to develop other Another shows show. for the next season. Exactly. So it's anywhere from like two to six episodes in, we would completely come on. And so get down to the nitty. I'm just curious, the nitty gritty of it, like, what does a development executive do day to day versus what current does day to day? Yeah. Well, current day to current day to day is more, um, you know, reading outlines, um, scripts, watching cuts, giving notes, um, staffing shows, um, you know, whether every year some inevitably a writer or two drops out or they want to add a writer or two. So it's knowing the staff, knowing the dynamics of the show, helping to find writers to put on that show to replace others or in addition to. And that's based on your contacts? That's based on contacts. Or people who you've worked with before. Exactly. And every year the agencies, it's called staffing season, right? Mm -hmm. So every year the agencies come in and we all, they all sit around it. I'm sure it's different now. I haven't done it for a few years. We're at a big studio, but where they come in with their books of like a thousand clients and they sit there and they, you know, pitch people and say, this, this person would be great for this show or that show. And so then we take meetings and then, um, come up with lists and then we present the showrunners with those lists and say this person would be great for your show. It's the same for acting because I know that my agents do the same thing with studios. But you don't deal yeah. with acting at all, right? Is it just just writing? Or? Well, we if it's big casting, the studio would have a part in it, but day to day, like guest star roles, right, that right. would be the show. But that like, would be the show. Testing and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, that's more of a development situation. Ah, uh, okay. So, uh, as, so in development, we, you know, those execs would be work closely with the actors that were testing for the pilot. So testing for a pilot. So I don't think we've talked about this yet, have we, on the show? We talked a little bit with Paige about testing. Right, and, and listening back to that podcast, Josh and I are trying to get better at explaining things, like when we say a name of somebody yeah. that somebody wouldn't know who it is. Yeah. Um, so testing is a process that an actor goes through to get on a, on a pilot, and it's usually in front of the studio. They do an audition, and then if they move forward, they will have a test in front of the network. Right. And that's Very changed. Very nerve-wracking. Very nerve-wracking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's changed, though. I know that I've tested, and it's just been on tape now mm-hmm. um, for... ABC. I know that. that was That's for ABC. how they're doing it more and more. It's yeah. not in front. It used to be where like you'd be in front of Les Moonves. Right, exactly. And, mm-hmm. and he would always be in those testing rooms. Now they're doing everything on tape, which is interesting. And I'd like to hear your opinion about it at yeah. some point too, because they can all be edited. And and if you mess up or you find the best take, and I mean, it's really more beneficial. For I the think actor. it's way better yeah. because, like, yeah. how often are you? Unless you're doing a sitcom, how often are you getting one shot at a scene? That's right. And like, you have to get it perfect yeah. in front of a group of people. Right. You know, like so. Right. From I've done a number of those tests. You know, from the other side of the camera mm-hmm. testing. There used to be a room at the studio. There still mm-hmm. is a room at the there studio. Still is yeah. Where you have a camera and you have a couple couches and you can spend. They'll be like, all right, here you have the room for three hours and you have to get all of your um, tests on tape and Mm -hmm. edit them and everything in the room. Mm -hmm. And so there you're able to have your director sitting there working with the actor, doing takes, adjusting. And I've also been in the room when, you know, when uh, Dana Walden and Gary Newman and everyone has been there live with the actors and that some people do great, but other people like these big executives uh, they're intimidating. And they're very close to you. It's probably a few feet away from oh, your yeah. face. Oh, really- yeah. They're sitting on the couch. Like, it is... It's, it's They're as close as we are. And yes. and then in a small room with, like... I mean, I think when I tested for NBC thing, it was like... I think there was, like, 30 people packed yeah. into a yeah. tiny room. And, you know, generally, you need to be 100% off book, which is not a problem, but, like, it's... Right. 
it's not a normal audition. Right. You and know? So, and That's also, right. we're not like, you're not state doing stage acting. Uh, no, you're shows. not doing stage acting. Right. It's not so like theater, you what, know? So, what I've liked better is that not just sending the, the tapes to the executives and be like, just pick like a normal, mm-hmm. but for these big roles and pilots, is that you all still sit in that room, but the actors aren't there. You right. play the tape. And then you discuss, then you discuss. And you sit there. <laughs> I'd love to hear that discussion. You do. You do. And it's and it's crazy. But and you only present three people. Right. You know, and, and they're all for each role. For each role. And you sit there. But it's much better, I think. I think it's a better Oh, it's much better. Scenario. And people are there's not that there's not the time crunch. There's not the like, oh my God, they got it wrong this time. I believe they can get it right. Right. It's like this is here you go. Right. Let's and, talk. Right. And as, from an actor standpoint, like you get an hour to work with, or like 40 minutes to work with a director. And like, let's say you don't necessarily know the direction that they're going and because you haven't met the director yet. Right. Cause right. a lot of times you might even test without even meeting the director until you do a quick, re- like when I was live testing, I think I did a quick re- rehearsal with a director if before. That. If yeah. yeah. And like, and that was like, he didn't even really give me anything. So, right. um, but like when you're testing, on tape, it's so wonderful to get a little bit of an extra direction and know that you can try something different because you have multiple takes. Yep. So you can actually go out on a limb a little bit. Right. Let's also not forget the whole other thing, which is that you're signing a contract for five years with more zeros than you've ever seen in your entire life. Yes. And you're about to walk into a room full of people. That's so like right. there's a lot on the line in all aspects. Like not that money is everything, but like how could you not be affected by that? Right. Something that could change your life. Right. My first test, I remember the casting director said to me, How does it feel to sign that something that could change your life? And I was like, Why would the fuck would you say that to me right <laughs> exactly. before I'm walking in here? Like, like what not a good time. That's really not the yeah. right time to say that. Well, and I think what's also really important about working with the director and having that time is I think as a pr- as a producer, you want to see that, and a director, you want to see how these people can work, can work, right? And if they can change their right. tone, or you know, if they can actually take direction, and especially when you're working with kids, yeah, it's really important to see if they can follow direction and listen, and you know, change whatever they want to change. I mean, it's it's a good process for everybody because but. some people are really good auditioners, yeah. And then they're not yeah. as great actors, it's you know, like a like, test taker. Like right, people exactly. are really good at tests. I very was horrible at, at taking tests. So was I. Yeah. And like I <laughs> really enjoy having the opportunity to know that I yeah. have multiple takes. And those are also some of the best casting directors, even in just regular sessions, where they let you know that that one's a warm-up. Let's yep. get into the next one. Cause so often I think, especially if you're waiting, like I, I mean, as an actor for tests, I've waited for two hours, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, how is it possible that you're going to go in there and nail it on the first take? Right. And some people can, but, right. but maybe they won't be able to do direction. Right. And we've right. talked a bunch on this podcast with actors psyching each other out. Oh like what yeah. What they do like in the waiting room. Um, you know, Paige Kennedy from yeah. Moto on yeah, Backstrom yeah, yeah, was telling us the other week that he, his first audition here, he snuck onto the lot and like got an audition, ended up booking a pilot with John Francis Daly, but like he didn't know what a test was, so he was telling all the actors in the waiting this like, story for right. the for testing for the network his story about just like sneaking on the lot right. and doing whatever, and I, he probably inadvertently psyched them out. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's better to be naive. I think yeah, in a lot of these 100%. situations yeah. going into like not really knowing what to expect or just to think whatever happens. But. Yeah. Anyway, and to go back, so to go back to the day to day of like, so 
current you're overseeing, you're reading scripts, you're kind of the liaison between the yes. network and the studio. Yes. Um, sounds really easy. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. It, you have to play both sides. I'm really good at, at like telling someone one thing and then yeah. telling someone else something different, but keeping both sides happy. But That's right. basically also, what it is. It's also so much of a faster moving train yes. in current oh than gosh, development. Yes. Yeah. Um, right. Part of it is you, Mandy would get a script and before she even had a chance to read the script, notes call would already be scheduled right. for like the following afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you better read that because if you don't read that and you back up the notes, well, the day of production starting right. in eight days, right. there's only so much that can be changed. So how was that when you would get a draft of a script that was shooting in eight, 10 days, mm-hmm. how, how large of the notes would you give? And well, what, are, what are they? I'm curious, yeah. like generally. Well, I think it depends on what kind of executive you are. I <laughs> I didn't take like pride or pleasure in giving a lot of yeah. notes. I would rather give two or three things. What One of the things that I did was, was just my process. And every night it could have been, you know, one night I would have had a script for something and a cut for one thing and an outline for another thing or a story area. I mean, mm-hmm. like it, it, which kept it interesting because it didn't. You're not reading eight scripts in one night. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because everything's on a different cycle, and so. But yes, as soon as we got something, my assistant would schedule a notes call for the next day. You know, and we had to give notes. So it's like I just had to plan my schedule and my day about you know getting back to people, but. Um, but I did not like to give a lot of notes. What I would do is I would read a script or watch a cut and I would write down everything or fold over whatever I thought about in that moment. And then I would go back through before the call and say, you know what, they'll deal with that later. Or like, I'm not going to give this now. Or this was a silly note. I thought this last night, but not today. I mean, right. I part of, the, part of the biggest reason that I think um, – I was successful in that position and that I ended up working with a showrunner that whose shows that I covered is because I knew how much to give and to take back. And, and it's about relationships and every showrunner is different. Um, I would handle heart, you know, heart's notes and dealing with heart very differently than I would handle, you know, um, Steve Levitan and Chris Lloyd, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's a different, it, it was a relationship thing. So, um, and I think it, it, in the long run, it, it proved to be the best way to do things because um, I covered both of Nanachka's um, Nanachka Khan, the yeah. woman's company that I was that I've been running for the last three years. The name of the company, Fierce Baby right. <laughs> yeah. Productions. Love um, it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so we had a great relationship. I covered two of her shows: Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment Twenty Three on ABC, and then Fresh Off the Boat. So we had a good relationship, and it worked out and because of that. So it's it's. It depends on what kind of executive you are. But development, you know, it's you work on one thing over and over again. It's like I, I sort of like think about it as like a college paper. Like you work on the same thing for like, you know, day, and, and it can be great, but you can always go back and change things later. You know, you are, there's always things that need work. But um, Yeah, my first job was at Working Title Films actually in development. Okay. And uh it's it's hard because I remember they were working on. I think Josh and I talked on this, about this on our podcast where you interviewed me that we never aired. Yeah, because um, <laughs> it was our first it, it like it was our practice. Well. It was yeah. our practice podcast. Um, you didn't have the microphone. Yeah, on. exactly. Yeah. Um, and I remember like do you remember the movie The Interpreter? Yes. I remember looking at the rewrites on that, and it was seventy rewrites for that Amazing. script, and it was like I think twenty five different writers. 
And then I know that's film. Film is a little different than TV, yeah. but it's just, and it turned out poor. The right. movie was not good. Right. And you're like, this is an, a, a classic case of like overdevelopment. Yes. yes. And, and I found that it, it drove me a little bit insane to be working on something for that long. So I understand current sounds awesome. I never yeah. even knew this job yeah. existed. Yeah. Like totally. And, and, and it's, and you really get to, to know like the actors and the writers on set. I mean, and, and you take that with you and you, you, you get to see how people, it's a very different function being a writer on a pilot and then dealing with writers like in the room and, and to see how they work in the room and how they collaborate with other writers and, and the longevity of that and how they build story and generate story. It's a very different view on what a writer can do. And it's also a real thing. I mean, so much of development, so many of the scripts that I think we've all developed have never gone anywhere, have never been made or, or will ever see the light of day. Yeah. And, you know, every episode that you worked on of Bones is out there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's a, it's pretty cool to see it. Um, all right. So a few years ago you left, um, your job as a current executive Mm -hmm. and will you tell us what you're doing? Yes. So I'm now running it. It's our, our deal is almost up, but, um, Nanachka Khan's um, company called Fierce Baby. And, um, we made three pilots, um, and sold 10 or 11, um, other shows in, in two years. It was a very, busy couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I've been doing more of the, uh, you know, developing, um, and producing the pilots that we, you know, that went into production. And, um, I really love it. One of the things that I felt was lacking in, in my current job was, you know, being on the ground floor with these writers and starting Mm -hmm. things from the beginning. And so this was an opportunity to really do that and to see sort of the pre version of, you know, before the, the show got to me. Um, as a current executive, so um, was there ever any disconnect between writers on shows with and with the current? Like, was there ever any? I mean, animosity is the wrong word, but like, because you're not in the writers' room with them, was that ever an issue with people? Like, under, with understanding between shows? I mean, I think there's always when, when you're handing something over and you've sort of, you know, you've been in the trenches with that person in, in development, and then you bring it over to current. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. It's like, what's the relationship? Yeah. Is there, I think it just, you know, I think Jeffrey did a good job of, um, you know, placing the right executive with the right okay. producer. And yeah. so I think that it's helpful, but usually it's, it's the process. And I think a lot of these showrunners just know that's yeah. what it is. And the writers do too. And, and, you know, we were helpful and are helpful and in, in, in instrumental in bringing a lot of these writers onto staff. So right, so th- there's an appreciation there too. Yeah. So exactly. how how did that transition go for you to to move over to her production? It, it was you know it was pretty easy mostly because I was at the same studio. We had the, a deal at 20th right. Century Fox, so it was the company that I knew and I could be the liaison with her like I was as a current executive there. Um, but you know it, it was pr- pretty easy. I mean the the one thing that I hadn't done before was be in those testing sessions and the casting sessions that was new to me and it's terrifying I don't know Josh how you it do it yeah <clears throat> I, I hate I hate it right like it's just you feel you feel so just nervous for it's these people. awful <laughs> there's like cliche things that you see on like shows that yes. happen you see like raw emotion like everyone's been working so hard and you really like there's all these tricks not even tricks but yeah. like that you're like, all right, we're going to play 
our number one person first because <clears throat> no one ever thinks that we're going to play the first person who we want first the most casting first. tricks yeah yes. and like then and you're like going and you're sitting there and you're going presenting these to uh, to, to Dana Walden who has been doing this for 25 years yeah. 30 years More, yeah and I don't know how she does it because she's only 29 years right, old right she's only 29 but perpetually like, 29 <laughs> who's uh, seeing actors for 20 30 pilots and so you're not pulling the wool over their eyes yeah you've seen I mean one of my probably my favorite thing that ever happened in the casting room is that we we were doing a pilot with heart and he wanted an actor so bad and it was on tape and, and the execs weren't quite sure. And he, he, Dana finally said yes to him and he broke down on his knees and was hugging Dana for <laughs> saying yes. That Ulti- is so hard. Ultimately yeah. CBS and Les Moonves said no. Right. <laughs> and Talk I, about like, the final say. This poor actor. I know. I, I, and the like, actor probably has no idea. No. Yeah. Maybe now. Yeah. Maybe now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was, that was like a moment of like true emotion. Yeah. Uh, and it also, I'm sure does not happen that yeah. much that, uh, well it does, you know, I mean, I've been in those rooms as an executive, um, you know, in current, sometimes we would do that because, you know, an actor would, something happened and we, we got rid of an actor and had to bring another star in or whatever it was. And so I've been in a few of those rooms where, you know, the producers there after, after the actor left and it was Dana and Gary and, and they had to like give a reason and basically lay it out there and say, this is why I want this person and fight for it in the room. And, you know, they were really good about it for, for the most part. And just, you know, I think from your side doing it on the development front, you see that there's so much more that goes into getting the actors to that place where they're testing. Yes. Um, you have to availabilities and they're also the actors that you want. I mean, every year you start out the pilot process with like, these actors are people who the network the client really wants, yep. right? And it's a list, you, you know, yeah. right? You make lists. Yeah. yeah, it's a list, and it's like, oh, everyone, you want Wesley Snipes? Okay, great. Yeah, oh, <laughs> this is such a like, random. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I mean, but it's, I was gonna say, is that real? is that really? No, I don't know. No. If sure. That... I mean, he was on that uh, show on NBC, oh, the player. Right? Yeah, the player for a year, and I'm yeah. sure they were like, we want Wesley Snipes to be in. Well, there are like the the like the flavor of the week of actors I think right. that go through. Right. And then there's some actors that are on, on lists every year yeah. that baffle me that I'm like, why is that person yeah. on, on a list? I know. <laughs> and then there's actors that, that studios have deals with that they, right. that they, they a, keep there, that they just go from show to show to show. Is mostly. that still as common or no? It's not, it's not as much, not right? Not so much. Yeah. No, I, but it was something where they would pay these people like in holding deals to, to can you explain what that is actually a little bit more? Yeah. yeah. And so it's basically the, the studio would, give an actor like a certain amount of money, like, like they would a writer, you know, to keep them at that studio. And every year they would, you know, guarantee them a pilot or, you know, a role on a series or something. It was, it was incentive to stay with them and not to go somewhere else. And the actor has like, like three passes, right. Or something like that. Usually like like the actor has like, they can say no to three projects and then they have to do the fourth or something like that. Exactly. That, that there was some, there's some rules to that. I'm not exactly sure how it works, but it's similar to where, a writer, like if, if if a writer is under an overall deal with a studio and they don't get a pilot made, they don't write their own pilot that year or create something themselves, then the studio will put them on somebody else's show to supervise that show as a writer or to be like the showrunner if the, that whatever creator of 
the pilot doesn't want it doesn't, or, or, or can't doing do something it. Else. Yeah, yeah. Or, or is too junior or whatever. Right. So, so, you know, cause they want to make you work. If they're giving you all this money, right. well, you know, they want you to do something. It so. used to be you, like you could be non-assignable. Right. And you could have one of those deals and get paid just to develop. Sure. And that at like the traditional studios has been going away. Yeah. Right. Yes. I think you have to be, if they're giving well, why you spend money? money? Yeah. Right. Why spend money if you're just sitting around developing all right. day? That's yeah. right. And, and especially now when there's so much content, it's I like know. they're fighting for, everyone's fighting for their lives, right. especially these, the networks, you know? Yep. Um, is there anything, just cause I'm selfishly curious about acting stuff. Yeah. Uh, is there anything like that you've seen in tests or in auditions that you're like, that was ridiculous or anything that you've seen that you're, that you're like, or oh, that's amazing. Cause I know a lot of it is also not necessarily about the acting. We were kind of going towards that. Uh-huh. It's like what fits for the story. Um, yeah. Well, that's a good question because, and there's one thing that pops in my head immediately, which is when actors don't say the words and they say their own words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I mean like really change them. Yeah, 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 like I I there were a couple actors in a test that we were in that just completely and ad-libbing here and there is fine and it's funny especially if it's a comedy, a comedy like adding yeah. some, something here and there. Yeah, and and it shows that there's like range and that improv they're funny and, and improv. Yeah, yeah right. but but there was there was a test that I was in where the actor just completely almost rewrote most of the scene. Comedy or drama? Comedy. Whoa. And it was very, it was insulting to the writer. Yeah. I mean, like I was there with the writer and she was, we kind of, after the actor left, we looked at each other and we were like, that was ridiculous. Like, I can't believe, you know, it, it, it went too far. But did she say the right words There were before? some. No. Like to get to that point. Yeah, I'm curious. No. Like to get to that point. No. Or were they the straight test. to test? It was, no, no, no. They didn't test. This was just an audition. Oh, just oh, an audition. An audition. Okay, yes. okay, okay. Yeah, no, no. There was no testing. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, because no. I was like, they must have gone straight to test yeah. and then just changed it. No, this person did not make it there because yeah. in the audition, it was, this was just the producer's, you know, audition. And, and, and it was just like, talk about, you know, ruining your chances. It was, wow. it was, and again, a little bit is okay, but this was like, this was a lot. And we were just kind of like, baffled because you know you walk out of there i mean these tests these these producer sessions and stuff i mean there's 20 people in the room saying the same line you know outside the closed doors yeah. and you walk out of there and you just kind of leave and then there's someone that sort of looks like you coming in yeah. like you know in it in the other door and it's it's i don't know it's it's scary but that's not the way to do it no <laughs> i would not say so yeah and so. now i'm curious on the other end of that like what about if someone is like do you ever feel that if someone comes in fully prepared and is completely off book and like has a very specific vision that that can hinder them as well? Like, like that someone might be afraid, Oh, they've, that's their choice that they've made and they can't take direction. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's absolutely right. I think a lot of times it is about the choices that the actors make and, and you're going in there blind because you, you don't, don't know. know. You don't you have a know breakdown, what, which is often written by breakdown services right. and not even exactly. what the writer wrote. And you don't know what the, what the producer wants and what the writer wants. I think the best thing that an actor can do when they walk in is ask questions. Just be like, I have a, I have a quick question here, you know, like, what what do you what's the tone of this scene or how do you see this character? I'm thinking this character is a little quirky. Should I just run with it and you tell me? Like, you know, that just is helpful because some of the choices that actors make you can shoot themselves in the foot. Exactly. Yeah, because then you're like, oh, I don't know if they can do anything else other right. than that. Right. Yeah, I have a director friend who says to me that he gets very concerned when an actor doesn't ask questions. Yeah. When they come in the room. 
Um, like if he says, he always wants, feels like there should be something. And so, you know, I've talked to, actually I've talked to Pej about this, about trying to find a question to ask when you go in. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to force myself to do that. Right. But I think that as an actor, you can always find something yeah. that you're like, well, let's, let me get your take on right. this. Oftentimes I'll also say I have a take, but I'm happy to make adjustments like afterwards if right. you feel like I'm running in the wrong direction. Right. Sure. Or stop you know, me. If or I'm stop ready. me. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, cause those, those can be, those producer sessions are taped as well right? so that you can show producers that aren't there or directors that aren't there and also because those are the tapes that go to test that go to the studio right for testing right so you know what happens is there's a producer session I'm sure you've talked about this before but there's a producer session where the actors come in their first go around and they sit with the producers and and the director and the casting um, and director. so often there's no producers anymore right it's all on tape and that too yeah I mean for me at least that's what I've experienced yeah exactly and then but if there is tape then that tape goes to the casting executive at a studio whatever the show is you know, if the show's associated with the studio, like a 20th Century Fox, then that tape would go to um, the casting executive, and then they would decide which ones go help in conjunction with the producers go to testing to the network. So it's all, you know, a process. Does that tape then go to, like, so that goes to the studio head of casting? Does that tape then go to the network head of casting? No. no then that then then it's it determined to who's to test. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So out of those producer session actors, right. then become the testing actors. And there's usually three or four that they test. I don't think I don't actually I don't think I think networks now don't want more than three actors in a test. They I've never want, I've never gone up against more than three. Yeah, I think I the limit's think, three. Yeah. yeah, they want your best three. So out of those, you know, ten that you that the producers put forward to the studio, then the studio says, let's bring in these three. Right. And then the network will will narrow that down to to one. So I'm curious, like, how did you just going back to the beginning, how did you find your way into this career? Were you a writer to start or? No, no. I was a production assistant. Okay. I was like Where are you getting from? people coffee. Minneapolis. Minneapolis, okay. So I went to college in Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin. Then I moved out here in 2001. And I got a job as a production assistant on a series called Raising Dad with Bob Saget. Oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> like really We've a We've told Bob Saget stories on we, here. I think so, oh. yeah. Bob Saget, I have so many Bob Saget stories. It was, yeah, that's he's an interesting man. Um, and then I was on another um, show called Eight Simple Rules with um, Kaylee. With Kaylee Quacko. Yeah, Kaylee Quacko. 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 Yeah. Yeah, something like that. I never forget her. I never know her name. But And then I wanted to, I quickly realized I didn't want to be in production. Right. I wanted a steady job. And was that, your angle on that was, was, to go where did you think? Well, I wanted to be an. I wanted to to be more of the executive. I saw. Okay. I would sit at run throughs because those were multi cams, and I would sit in the the bleachers, and I would see this girl came come in, and you know all you know pay, do the like walking back and forth on the stage for each scene and do the run through, and I would be like, "What's her? I want to be her." She looks powerful, and I don't and know why. Charged. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. She's wearing like a skirt and yeah. heels, and <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I wanted to be her, but I was like, "I want to be her." Yeah, right. Yeah. I was like, "That's cool." Like everybody's like bowing down her. Right. So I got a job um, working at a company that no longer exists called Alliance Atlantis, and it was a Canadian-based company. And I worked for the head of TV movies and miniseries there. And he was let go. He did this miniseries about Hitler. It was like a very 
interesting Ooh. scenario. And he was he he did an interview in USA Today, basically comparing Bush to Hitler, and was fired from the company and the it was a weird situation. So I was working out of his house, um, going through his files and being his assistant there and whatever. And then organizing his paraphernalia. Organizing exactly paraphernalia. Yeah, exactly. Weird situations. Um, And I got a call from twentieth human from human resources. I don't know how they received my email Hmm. to come in for an interview to be Dana and Gary's second assistant, Dana Walden and Gary Newman. So they each had an assistant. Who are they? Just so everybody knows. Yeah. So (laughs) Dana Walden and Gary Newman are uh, the chairman of Fox. Right. And they at that time they were just heads of the studio. Of 20th Century Fox. Of 20th Century yeah. Fox, correct. And then, um, I think it was probably 10 years ago, eight years ago. I forget when they went over to run both the network and the studio. And now they're at Disney. And now Dane is at Disney. Yeah. And Gary's doing something else. I'm he, not sure what yeah. he's doing. But, okay. um, but um, so I went in to interview with them and I became their second assistant. And then I was Gary's direct assistant for a year and then was promoted and and was there for a little over a decade, and then... There's their assistant for the decade. No, no, no. Oh, oh my gosh. Like, well, Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. My ambition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no ambition. Wow. No, no, no. And that job was, as an assistant to the chairman is grueling. Yes. Do you know what you were in for when you were interviewing for that? No, I had, yeah. a, bit, I had a little bit of that night, naive right. yeah, situation yeah. of, like, you know, going in, like, sneaking onto a lot. Like, right. I had no idea, but I did it, and there were many times that I came home with, with tears and being like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I can't do this. But um, but I stuck it out, and I think they saw that, you know, I wanted to be there. And I was Gary's assistant for a year. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I think and a lot of the, a lot of those jobs, assistant jobs, are can you stick this out? That's right. You know, and right. and can you? Because if you can't, I think it's a really quick crash test in learning whether or not this is what you want to yeah, do. Absolutely. And and I was a I was a you know you start as there's different levels. So I was a coordinator, then a manager, then a director, and I and I left as a VP. Um, and they had come to me for another four years, and I thought if I sign on this dotted line again, I'm going to like, you know, I can't do it. So then this other opportunity presented itself and, um, you know, it was a great, it was a great transition and a great change for me. So, and is it, is it more free? Is this job like, you're yes. not going to the, you're not going to a lot every day, I'm guessing. Right? Well, I, I, yes. Cause is our offices were on the lot. So oh, I have okay. been on that lot for oh, so long, my gosh. but I just, I liked my office yesterday. Wow. I liked it a lot because Mandy's office was closer. When I was on the lot, Mandy's office was now closer. I used to go and visit her in her office building in 103. Yeah. And she had a terrible office. It was horrible. It was windowless. There was no windows. <laughs> and so there were doors and she tried to have like nice lighting, but it was like an eight by eight. It was like a closet. Box. Yeah. And somehow the studio, you know, after you left, they managed to make the office situation worse. Yes. Because they said they were going to do, or they did, all open concept office plans. Right. So if unless you were a vice president... You were basically in a cubicle situation. Oh. You were in it, and then managers were like in a shower stall. Yes, basically a shower stall, which I I found so unproductive because it's it's how can you take a meeting when you have when you're overhearing everybody else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you would no go privacy. and visit people at the studio or network, and you'd be talking to them, and you could hear the person next door also yeah. talking, and they could hear you talking. Right, 
And there was sensitive information too. Yeah. I mean, there, were, there were there were a lot of episodes of things that were, you know, very private and you, that nobody could get out and things that were, you know, watermarked and they're just like out in the open. I never understood that. And but, so um, it was also it, it I don't know, and the VPs and above had offices with doors. So to me, it didn't seem like it was the same as Silicon Valley where everyone works out, even, you know, you have Mark right. Zuckerberg working out in the bullpen. Right, right. And my wife works for a tech company and everyone's out there and then they have conference rooms that you can book. But it's like, if you only give some people... Right. It's either offices, all or nothing, nothing yeah. right? Yeah. And then yeah. other people have like bathrooms in their office. It's It defeats the whole purpose that you were... Well, and it creates a, a culture of like... Of like, oh. Yes. You're... Yes, right. it was a very Disconnect. competitive yeah. culture. Yeah. So while you were much closer in the job at Fierce Baby, I got to visit you much more often. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you liked it or not. I but did I, like it. I enjoyed it. A lot of times unannounced, <laughs> which I really like. No, it's a nice surprise. Yeah, no, unannounced nice popping is great. It's not yeah. like you had anything to do. No, yeah, I was fine. no scripts to read. Yeah, so, but we did. We did work talk. We, yeah. But like one of the things I was most excited about is that you did a pilot with Jalen Rose. Yes. I'm a huge NBA person. I like listen to podcasts, daily NBA podcasts, yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. The Jalen Jacoby show. I enjoy it. And so I just wanted to know how was the, the process of making it and where did it finally end up? So when we first started, I call her Notch, Nanachka, and I, um, so you know who I'm talking to yeah, because yeah. it's hard. But um, so she had this idea. So her, her, brother, Nick Khan, is a big sports agent at CAA. Oh, wow. And he represents Jalen Rose. And I think they were trying to find a way to sort of fit the two, you know, put the two things together. And Notch, when we first started, pitched me the idea for Jalen versus everybody. And, um, and is she, she into sports? Um, somewhat, not okay. so much, not so much. Because she has to be. Yeah. Cause she has to, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. a little bit, but, um, but I think she enjoys it. Um, but she had this idea that was sort of like, um, like a Larry Sanders type, like, you know, TV 2.0 situation with Jalen. And, um, he had never acted before, you know, other than his, you know, on-air personality and his, um, that's you know, really radio acting, show, yeah. but it's not really acting, exactly. Which is one of the things I think really hurt the pilot, unfortunately, mm-hmm. is that I don't think ABC could see past that. But he worked really, so he came in and and we talked about things and, and Notch had the vision in her head and she wrote the pilot and it was about this um, Jalen um, and based on his true life about, um, you know, being a, a single dad you know, raising his daughters and also his life as a personality and how he juggles it all. And she wanted a very, um, you know, um, like, you know, interactive element to it too, where, you know, there would be, um, you know, tweets happening in the show and then, you know, there'd be a baseball or a basketball player that would be tweeting live in conjunction with the Mm -hmm. episode, like a, a different sort of way of, of television. And, um, but he was not an actor and he is not an actor, but he worked really hard with Leslie Kahn, who Uh is, um, an acting acting coach coach, for years. And she was instrumental in helping him, you know, get to the place that he got to. She worked with David and Emily. Probably. Yeah. I think that that was their acting coach as well. I think so. Yeah. I think so. And she's, she's, she's an interesting, I mean, she's like to the star, you know, yeah, she's, she's worked the, with everybody yeah. <clears throat> and, um, they worked really hard and he improved greatly, but I think it was one of those things that, um, you know, when it came down to it, ABC had a hard time getting, getting past it. Um, and he's not that person that like Chris Rock to me, I mean, he's a great actor, but he's not 
an amazing actor. Right. You know, he but he's got his shtick. It's his thing. It's, right. That's what he does, and and I think he's more well known in terms of that than Jalen. And and Jalen has that on the radio, and and I listen to you know story Bill Simmons, who's another. He's a, yeah. a podcaster now. Yeah. He wasn't good on television. He had a couple different TV shows, and he wasn't podcasting is the medium that I love him in. I did not enjoy his HBO show, but he tells stories about Jalen and he's like, you go walk through an airport with Jalen and he has a way of making everyone feel good about themselves when they go up to him. I've done that. I've walked through an airport with Jalen. But he's never (laughs) stops moving. Yeah. And that now there's a ton of people who say, oh, I named my son Jalen after you. Yeah. No, he's, he's, he's got that. He is super charming, a lovely human being Everybody knows who he is. He it, it was a really great experience. I just think sometimes when you turn a camera on it, it's hard yeah. for people. Well, to, yeah. And I remember you know. talking about that with you when you were making the pilot and it was done. And I I they ten years ago, the studios and agencies, everyone would have all of the pilots, the ones that didn't go, the ones that did not go, um, that you could see and you could judge for yourself. And at, at home, I have binders filled up with old pilots. Yeah. And at, at some point, they stopped um, giving out those those pilots. Yes. They just cold turkey, no more, and you couldn't get your hands on it. And even producers. Even so if like, they're dead, even if they don't make it. Oh, yeah. yeah you so can't, you, can't you would it. ask your friends, like, oh, Mandy, I really want to see like the Jalen pilot. And she's yeah. like, I would love for you, like... You want to show your friends yeah. what you've been working on. And actors for, want them for their yeah, reels. Of course. And they can't get them. You oh, were man, desperate. It's really hard. It's really hard to get even your scenes. You have to really wow. push the studios. You want to show, What's the reason for that? Because they just don't want the material out there. Because if they, they've deemed it something that they don't yeah. want. It. Yeah. I okay. mean, but which is odd because to me, if it's something that's not going forward, who cares? Yeah, but I guess if and they've deemed like, it as something that they don't want to put on the air, right, why put it out right. there? You spent months working on it. And- <clears throat> Ultimately, you, no one can see it. Yeah. No one gets to see it. Yeah. You can never go back and watch it. Right. Um, but however, the Jalen show, Jalen versus everybody, yep. ended up airing on, on ESPN. ESPN. Yes, How because did, of the connection. There was a big tie-in. It was, this was a very difficult show to make because the NBA had to be involved, which is very hard um, to get them involved and to cooperate. And... Um, you know, so that's that's that was a feat in its own. And then also we had to um, have ESPN's cooperation, and we did, but we couldn't shoot in their offices. We had to shoot in um, I think it was a PBS building in Burbank that we dressed to look like the ESPN bullpens. <laughs> um, it, they were very. It's like any big sports company, like NASCAR. Matt's you know company is very much like that as well. I mean, it's hard to get their full. They have they have creative approval over everything. You can and can't say certain things. So we really had to have those companies on board. But because ESPN and Disney are you know sister companies, they you know there was some synergy there and. Even though ABC didn't um, pick up the pilot to series, uh, ESPN aired the pilot. Nothing ultimately came of it, but but it's it's amazing that that you were able to clear all the rights and get yes. them to do that, and people were able to to to, to see, see it. it. Yeah, because yeah. you that that how many times has that happened? Uh, I mean, not a lot, and it's really tough to clear those rights. I mean, there are sports teams involved and jerseys involved. I mean, it was really we actually shot two days in Indiana 
um, with the Pacers because we had Larry Bird um, mm-hmm. as as one of the oh, nice. guest stars. Yeah, it was really cool. So we like had access to the stadium and to see, and we met Larry. I mean, it was really it was a really um, cool experience. I'm not a huge sports fan, but I I got into it. That. Yeah, I got into it. So I mean, that's um, that's so amazing of you guys because all producers like we, you know, the pilot gets passed on. And it's like, it's going to go somewhere else. We're going to get it picked up. And that's hard it's to gonna do. It's going to go. It's going to go. And was the idea of putting on ESPN that someone else would see it and be like, we want to do this? And all, also, we were trying to get ESPN to air that because they were doing some Scripted. original stuff. I mean, they do like the 30 for 30s. Did and, you, remember, you remember the show Playmakers on ESPN? Yeah. Yes. I love that show. I mean, I, those shows are great. And I love 30 for 30. That's ESPN, right? That Am I ESPN. losing yeah. it? Yeah, do you, exactly. Uh, do you listen to the podcast? No, I don't. I'm t- the podcasts are hard for me to pick up, but the, I love it. And, and as as someone that doesn't love sports, it's like it, there's a story. There's storytelling there. Yeah. And so I feel like this is something they were trying to get into and that they could potentially get into the comedy version of things. It's also not something that's on the air right now necessarily, like the comedy version of that. You right. Know? <clears throat> no. Larry Bird is not a good actor. He was, oh my God, I, a like, nice I, man, but not a good actor. No, no. He, like best Celtic ever, right? Yes, but, but not a good actor. Mm. He's fun. He was, and 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 talk about no range. Oh, I mean, yeah. just like we were like, could you say this one more time? Different? Nope. Like nope. the same thing. Same and, thing. And then you were like, okay, Mister Brett. Like you, you right. didn't ask him a third time. Right. But um, but it's interesting that you brought up the topic of taking a pilot and if it doesn't work out, selling it elsewhere. That's really hard to do, and especially going from a network pilot to a streaming or cable service, there is a stink on material that doesn't yeah. go forward, especially if it comes from network. It's really hard. It's been through that network process. It's watered down. It doesn't have the edge that a lot of these, you know, places want. And it's really hard to do. And it's so interesting because our business is on many levels spending so much time on something that may never see the light of day. Yeah. And like you and I have talked about this too, just even writing, working on a script for five years of your life and pitching it and then yeah. it you getting a no and then that's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And on to the next one. And that's something I've learned that's been different for me as a development executive and a producer as opposed to current executive is that I do have to like handle rejection right. a lot more and, and I'm not working on something that's successful necessarily. And there are a lot of hurdles to go through and, you know, like coming up with a great idea is the first hurdle and then it's and then it's getting it into a place where you can go pitch it and hopefully sell it and then it's taking that out to networks and selling it there and then it's ca- I mean there's so many hurdles to get it Are you guys strictly going. comedy or are you We did everything that we produced was was comedy there were a couple things that were that we had in development that were um I hate the word lighter but I guess more like Yeah. you know um like darker, like lighter dramas, I guess, like right. more quirky, Dramedy. quirky. Yeah, yeah. But quirky, not like Shonda Rhimes drama, yeah, but yeah. like, you know, quirkier, like small town, uh-huh. like Northern exposure kind of yeah. things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a different beat. It's, it's, you have to be, I mean, there's so much success if you can get there and get a show on the air and get a deal and get a deal yeah. as a producer. And that's, and, and then, then there's, there's less also, stress on you for like having to, if you have a deal with a place, 
You know, but there's there's double edged sword of that because I, I have a friend who has a deal with Amazon and like he's just had so many things rejected over and over again. Yeah. And he's like, why do I have this deal right. if you're not doing any of my shows? And part right. of that also comes from. I think the heads of the company changed mm-hmm. within when he had gotten his deal. So his people who were like who had who had given him the deal were no longer there. Right. And I know this happens with Fox, it happened to Bones, you know. Mm-hmm. Like the people who were there originally developing it were no longer there and so it's kind of put on the back burner yeah. as a show. Absolutely. And that's hard to do, but it also like you're saying, I mean it it can be really restrictive. I mean, that's one of the reasons why you know not just moving on to a different studio is because it was very hard, you know, 20th Century Fox was very supportive of the things that we did, but there was a lot of restrictions in terms of where they could sell shows. And it right. was those four broadcast networks. But once we wanted to get out of that and start getting into the Hulus and the Netflix and stuff, it was very difficult to do. And it can be restrictive in that in that way. The, the business concerns are real. And, and I mean, you're seeing now with um, the Netflix show one day at a time. Yeah. It's been it's been canceled at Netflix, mm-hmm. and reportedly CBS All Access wants to pick it up to put on their service, and Netflix has clauses in their deal. And from what's being reported, and I don't know anything, um, Netflix is kind of saying no that they have that no you they can't have, have to it. They have yeah. rights to it. They have rights to the for all all the seasons that have aired on Netflix, and no you can't have those earlier things. And that's those, you know, those kind of deals, um, you know, happen all the time and things get scuttled because of deal making, Mm -hmm. because of precedent, because of all these different things. And, you know, you can look at Rupert Murdoch selling, I mean, most of his empire, all these shows, all these deals, all this content, um, and getting out of that side of the studio business, of the content business, so that he doesn't have to compete with Netflix anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Disney, now Disney can start their competitor to Netflix. Can, can So can 20th Century go to, to Netflix and Hulu or no? Well, <laughs> that's, that's, this is what oh, I, This is for a whole other I know, this, have, is like, this is a quick story, but yeah. basically I... The answer is they say they can, but they really can't. They don't can't. do it. There's right. not a template. The template that they have is very broadcast um, driven, and it's really hard. I sold a pilot to Hulu this last year over Labor Day, and they still can't make the deal because of license fee issues. Um, the studio wants full cost license fee, which is what they expect from broadcast or from broadcast networks to right. pay up, right? To lease the what show. What studio was it through? It's it's 20th Century oh, Fox because okay, that's yeah. what we had to go yeah, to. Yeah. Okay. So they want. They want a full cost license fee plus extra. That's what they get. At, that's what they've been that's getting for years. That's what right. they're used to getting. The template is very different. Hulu doesn't want to offer that, and so it's been stuck. This project's oh been stuck God. for a year because they can't make a deal with their sister studio. I mean, their sister streaming service. I mean, because because that's under Fox. Hulu is part of Fox and now Disney. Wow. And so. It just depends on the business models, and I think that they really, as that studio, needs to um, adjust some of the way that they that they do things to that to accommodate that. There's a lot that's that's adjusting now, even from an acting standpoint. I mean, like the pay disparity between people between actors in general, but also like a lot of these Hulu and Netflix are really lowballing. Like yeah. we only just got a deal on on um, residuals on the streaming services, mm-hmm. you know, whereas before you do do it and you don't get anything else. That's right. And, um, you know, 
people who are stuck in contracts from two years ago that are on a Netflix show, they're not getting residuals because the contract they're stuck in that contract that was before. Yep. And new cast members are. I mean, it's just like it's yeah. It's all developing and evolving right now. That's right. Before our eyes. But let's move on to something a little bit more <laughs> fun, which is like food. Yeah. Because food we stuff. love talking about food. Yeah. So like I, I like food. Yeah. I mean, like, what's some of your stuff that you are into? What's, what's places in LA? Oh I mean, my like, god. There's so many things on set. I mean, you were were you near Moe's Cafe? Yeah, I was near Moe's. Oh my God, Moe's was horrible. Horrible. It was horrible. It was horrible. When we had walk away like lunches on Bones and we had to go to Moe's, I was like, oh God. Yeah. Do you know who had the best craft service? Modern Family. What did, do you know who it was? I don't know who it was, but it was like, they had a full kitchen always stop. I mean, it was like, it was pretty amazing. It, it depends uh, it on is, who you have, yeah. So, and Sofia Vergara is really nice. Yes, she like our Bones office were, was right across the way from there, and I she would wave at me all the time. Yeah, and I was like I, I and it was really to somebody behind. It was, yeah, I was about to say yeah. it. Was person, yeah, I literally <laughs> was about to say that. Do you think I care? Yeah, no, <laughs> I was so Josh happy. Josh is waving. Yeah, yeah. you took uh-huh. it. Blowing kisses. Yeah, like, right? I mean, Modern Family. It was they had an amazing setup. Yes, they really did, and and they would bring. Well, they were a true hit show. Yes. You know, Bones was always on the the margin of. It lasted twelve seasons and two hundred and something episodes, but and so and how many sheets of cookie pie did we last? Yeah, but Modern Family sixty million. Modern Family was a true hit. Right out of the gate, it won an Emmy in its first year. Whoa! I don't think I realized that. Yeah, and I mean, a huge difference the business wise was that it was twentieth Century Fox produced it for ABC. Yep. So Bones and this, you know, we can go and look up the big lawsuit and part of, yeah. but like Bones was 20th for, tw- for Fox. Fox. Yeah. Right. So the, the being for ABC, uh, the studio, you know, uh, got a lot more money out of ABC. Mm-hmm. And so there were, how many cast members on Modern Family? Oh my God. Well, there is. How many regulars? Like eight? Right? No, more. More? Like 12. Okay. 13. Yeah. Each family was like three or four. Three you know, it's four. funny too, because even being on they, that lot, like I actually, like when I saw Ty Burrell for the first time, I was like, oh shit. I know. Like I like, he was like, oh, he's a lot shorter than I thought. Yeah. But oh my God, I'm going to have little butterflies. They I had know. a, they had a classroom. Like, oh, yeah, so for the right kids. next right. to my office in, in building one was the modern family classroom. So I literally saw Manny grow up. Yes. Yes. Like right before my right before eyes, we all did, him Josh. Yeah, every I know. Seeing, it's like seeing yeah, him every day all, in class, his yeah. and seeing the girls uh, yeah. go from like these like uh, like really young girls to like smoking cigarettes outside of their I know, trailer. I know it's it's crazy. It's and and to be on the show like that for so many. I mean, what I mean that's the risk and the reward and everything. Yeah. Okay, so wait, so get back to the craft the service yeah. in Modern Family. They had the best. Ooh. I don't know what it was, but there there was always snacks being passed around and. You know, a full kitchen. Of, I would go over there all the time, basically, because one of my one of the I jobs. Known this. Yes, I would have snuck you were on right there. there. Yeah. You were right next yeah. door. One of the things about being a current executive is that you would go visit set, and you would go visit set and just say hi to the actors mm-hmm. and um, you know the producers, and and you know if there was a special episode, you would go down and visit. And so I would go to Modern Family quite often, <laughs> basically for their food. Hey because, guys. Yeah, yeah. Because being on a lot is, it's, it's its own little city, right? In a way, there's a cleaners, there's a shoe repair, there's a, there's a, a post office, there's- There's a fancy a, restaurant. There's a gym. There's a, fancy, yeah. there's a gym, right. you know, with showers in it. I mean, you could essentially live, live there. there. Yeah. 
And there's with some cats. People, some people has there's, there's cats. And with cats. no yeah. daylight coming into your office. Right. When you have a windowless office for right. four years, <laughs> thank you very much, or longer than that, you know, you don't know what time it is. So, um, but but it's also like the 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 food there isn't the best. Yeah. Um, so, but it was hard to like go get your car at lunch. It was more of a pain in the ass to like go get your car, go oh, off no, you're not lot, going anywhere. And come, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, but it was um, yeah. They they had some great food. I but I will not miss it. I think you once you get very sick of like, you know, what's there. So what um, restaurants do you like oh to Oh my eat god, at? you're asking a mother of two with like, you know, living in Woodland Hills now where I I did live in Silver Lake for for 12 years Silver Lake in Los Feliz so did I. and that was some of the best restaurants yeah. ever. When were you there? Um we just moved to Woodland Hills 2 years ago. Okay. So we were right where the farmers market sets up up Maltman. Uh-huh. Um and we had like Fat Dragon, Night Market, um, I don't like Night Market. I, it was it was very specific, the menu. It's weird. Night Market, I went there, the Thai place, right? Yeah. 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 I went there for the first time and like... Uh, Too spicy? Well, yeah, first of all. You don't like spicy, you can't I do spicy. like spicy, but like it's tell really... me if it's going to be... Like I ordered the papaya salad. I was like, I like spicy, but like tell me that this is going to ruin my palate for you the rest of the meal. It. Yeah. Like I was like drenched in sweat oh and I was God. like... And I just was kind of, I don't know. I don't really like the atmosphere there. I don't know. Yeah. It's, no, I, I heard it's it. Crowded. I, heard the yeah. Ven- I heard the Venice one. They adjusted it, and now you can ad- adjust the spice level. Okay. I mean, like, but I just but tell it was me. Too- just warn me. I mean, like, like say, hey, just so you know, this is really spicy. Right. Then I would have maybe been like, uh, you know what, I don't want I like that. the places right. in Thai town. So do I. Yeah. But no, now, it's the same thing with, like, two kids Jet-Lata's living on the west, yeah. west side. How often do I get to drive I out? I know. You to- don't. You You're don't. not going there. No. And there was, so, I mean, having all those restaurants though at your fingertips to order food from. And to walk to. And to walk yeah. to. I really do miss that. So I, I don't know. We're trying to find the places that we like in the West Valley right now. And there's, there's, there's some, there's some good places, but, um, but I mostly, you know, there was a restaurant that I went to yesterday, honestly, that I met somebody for coffee called Spoon by H. And it was this, um. Heart Hansen opened up mall. a yeah, right? yogurt company. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Spoon by heart. And it's in a strip mall on Beverly and La Brea, basically. And um, I forget who the, the critic was, but took an Instagram photo there. And then it became one of like the newest restaurant, you know, like the best restaurants in 2018. And it's like a boba coffee place that has a few menu items like, you know, pork noodle stew and... Kimchi it's David Chang's It's David restaurant. Chang. Yes. That's who yeah, it was. Thank just, you. David yes. Chang is a chef. Yeah, it's yes. his favorite restaurant. Okay, I thought it was okay. a crit. I forgot Interesting. who it was. But so it was a very random place, but it it looked delicious, and I'll probably never go back because it's that way out, out of my neighborhood. But it's supposed to be. It's it's like so unassuming. Those are some of the best restaurants, right? Those oh, are yeah. unassuming like strip mall places here. And but, David um, Chang, I think, has recreated that. Have you ever been to his restaurants? He has Momofuku Noodle Bar in New York. Okay. And then he's got Major Domo downtown, yeah. which is new. Yeah, that's the new one. I've the heard of one. Major, but I've never been there. And he so. kind of has specialized in bringing... He, well, he's been bringing that food to the forefront of like, uh, you know, more gourmet food. Right. Um, his show is really interesting. He talks about why do people pay $30 for... Pasta, homemade pasta, yeah. and yet people will pay like four dollars for homemade noodles, right? Asian noodles. And right. It's like it's the same process, if not even more. Like din tai fun, which we just talked about with Carla, the process of making dumplings is arguably as hard as making homemade pasta, and yet it's like half the price, right? That's right. I don't know people because it's it's the like same reason that David Chang took a picture there, and that's right. why it's like the, you know I mean people, it's it's like a trend, right? Right. It's like how does that 
happen? Why are, you know, pants up to your waist popular okay. now? Like <laughs> skinny jeans and boots. Talk Skin- about auditions. Oh God. Oh my That's God. My, I will go in for an audition and like, it's a, for a lawyer and there's like guys with necklaces and skinny jeans with boots on the, all what? the laces untied. Talk about a wrong choice. Yeah, right. Well, some people like it. I mean, that's a wrong choice. How old are your kids? Six, my son just turned six and then my daughter is, will be three in June. So what do they like to eat? Oh my God. Pasta. Yeah. Like literally, but like whatever kind of pasta, we were just in San Francisco this last weekend and, um, great food, great food. So Tony's pizzeria has been around forever there and it's unbelievable pizza and pasta. And we were there twice. We went twice (laughs) of the three nights because my son was obsessed with just their plain noodles with butter. <laughs> and and we had to go there twice. Oh. And it's not like an easy, like you have to take a, we took a trolley, then a bus and a whole thing. And he loved it. And he asked for it again and again. And because it was his birthday, we, you know, oh, that's we did it. Yeah. My brother and I always talk about, we will make like gourmet meal for the adults and then uh-huh. make butter pasta for our kids. Yes. And it's arguably better than what we've made. Yes. Like just plain butter pasta. I'm I, like, this is so, why didn't I just make this for myself? It's so good. It's yeah. so good. But it's like, there's a real like carbohydrate issue with my children. I oh mean, yeah. There's, what you want, like I want my kids to try other stuff as well. Yes. And like there's, like I try different tricks and one thing will work one time and another thing. And it doesn't work the next time though. Yeah. Like I got them to try uh, balsamic glaze vinegar oh. the other day by convinc- convincing them it was like ranch but black. Because <laughs> okay. you would that, eat black black ranch, right? Like, and then I use a good, little reverse yeah. psychology. I was like, you don't want any of this. Right, no, right. Not, this is for yeah. adults. So exactly. You, you don't this need any cool of that. Food. Right, yeah. And so they liked it. But now I don't know if the next time they're going to like no, it. No, I mean, it's yeah, it changes daily. And yeah. it's hard too because it's like, all right, Part of it is like, okay, I want to make one dinner for everyone and then like just give it to them. No. But then like sometimes they're like, well, then I'm not eating. Right. Just give me dessert. Right. And it's like, wait a minute. Then you have that argument then you have a 45-minute argument and about it. And then you it. just give in. Right. Yeah. I yeah. got to save my energy out of the 45-minute argument about bath. It's picking and choosing your battles, yep. I think. And you know what? Like if, if pasta is like what they're going to eat and with some vegetables, like great. Yeah, exactly. They'll burn it off. If I ate pasta every day, I'd be oh, 500 yeah, pounds. But be a character actor. Yeah, exactly. You would be a character actor. <laughs> Which actually sounds kind of nice. I right know, now. right? It's like it, <laughs> yeah. typecast, yeah, whatever. I, I mean, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to go out and eat a ton and experience these new restaurants with with children because you're, you know, by 8.30, you want to just go to bed, pass out. Yeah. And also yeah. they have attention spans of like seven and a half minutes. Oh yeah. Nothing is enjoyable. You cannot go experience anything. No. And they want to go to the same places. My kids demand to go to the counter. Oh. We have, we have one Do they actually house. eat burger, like meat and burgers? No, and stuff? they eat chicken fingers and fries. Yeah. yeah. And that's all. They want to go the counter, the counter. And I'm like, Gone to the counter. I actually don't even. Don't. I really don't like the counter either. No, doesn't even matter. For, like, it doesn't matter nuts. what you no. like. I know it does. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They want to go counter. I'm like, Ever. hate the counter. Yeah, it's, they have a good chicken. They have a good um, salad with grilled chicken. It's like oh, a really? Barbecued chicken salad or huh. something. It's actually decent. If you have to go there, yeah. let's just say I'm so hungry by eight thirty yeah, at night because my husband and I. I don't know if you guys do this, Josh, but like my husband and I will not eat until the kids are asleep. And, you know, a lot of people will like just picket food and stand up because it's having dinner with the ch- like children, like you were saying, is the most unrelaxing, horrible experience that like, so we don't end up eating till 830 at night when they're asleep. And then it's like, by that time you're exhausted, you've, you know, shoved down like four glasses of wine yeah. and you're just like, whatever, yeah. just put food in my mouth. Like... Yeah, you're talking about my wife's bedtime, 830 yeah. at night. 830. <laughs> no, yeah. we, we eat with them. 
And then sometimes, like, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry at nine o'clock at Second night dinner. doing something. Yeah. Second, Second meal. meal. Second meal. <laughs> well, that, I, I think you said it all. Yeah. I said it's it amazing. All. Thank it. you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank this you for having so enlightening me. To yeah. me actually. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having There's me. There's going to be a quiz about studio versus That's network. Right. And you still don't know the I know. Yeah.